Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. And welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. It's all been kicking off, hasn't it? Plans to restructure and reshape the game we know and love unfolded in front of our very eyes on Sunday night as some of the biggest clubs around Europe joined forces to create the European Super League, a proposition that was thrown out and cancelled thanks to the pundits, journalists and, of course, the fans. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and I'm joined once again by my fellow NUFC Vavil office writer, Dan Wright. Also joining us on this episode is Premier League accredited journalist Kiefer MacDonald to give us the view from Anfield ahead of Newcastle's trip to Liverpool on Saturday afternoon, as well as getting his take on the Super League. Dan, I'm going to come to you first. You know, this is a Newcastle United podcast and it's blatantly obvious then UFC weren't one of those six English clubs involved <laughs> in this Super League. But those plans were going to affect us, you know, as one of those other 14 clubs in the Premier League, as well as the sides below us in the AFL too. Well, yeah, they would have affected well, everyone in football, really, because even if you're one of the other 14 or even lower, you, there's still something in your mind. One day we might put some results together, get taken over and get up there. And that possibility would have been gone for everyone because a closed league is it's just it's not football. I was absolutely delighted to see the way football came together to get rid of it. But I don't think it's the last we've heard of it. I really don't. Speaking from a personal point, in terms of football, I feel apathy is big amongst fans yeah. because it's not the same. We're not there, for starters, which thankfully is temporary, but then you see all VAR and all the other bits about the modern game, ticket price and everything. It's just not what it used to be. And I think if they try it again in a few years' time, I wonder, will there be the same outpour against it? I don't know what you think. 
well, when I kind of seen this all unfold in the whole Super League thing, I think there's Newcastle fans who had a bit of an inside track, haven't we, on how the big six operate. For those who have yeah. been living under a rock, the six English clubs involved in the in the Super League, as you can imagine, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal and, and somehow Spurs, but I don't know how they've got in there, but we'll, uh, we'll address that later on. <laughs> but we know that the, the big six clubs, especially with the, the proposed takeover last summer, of the reports of those clubs kind of joining forces to stop it because they didn't want the competition. So we know that these clubs are rivals on the pitch, but off the pitch they very much work together. And we've seen that with the with the, the proposed Super League. But Kiefer, on to you. You know, you're a massive Liverpool fan. I mean, you wouldn't realise from your accent, mate, but I can assure you, to everybody listening here, this man has put the miles in covering his club, Champions League finals, you name it. But what I wanted to know was how... Did you react to this news when you first seen it? Because this is directly impacting your club. You know, if if this was to go through, the chances of Liverpool leaving the Champions League is is hundred percent guaranteed, and leaving the Premier League was was a massive possibility. Yeah, hundred percent. I think I think you sent it me initially on Sunday morning, didn't you? I think five out of the six clubs had agreed. It was just yeah. you know, City they were just waiting on and. I mean, like you say, you know, Liverpool have marketed their their kind of whole brand over the last, you know, fifteen years on the Champions League. You know, the success that we've enjoyed in that competition, and and even in recent years, you only have to to go as far back as Barcelona two years ago. You know, all the kind of success and the history we've had in the Champions League to kind of like wash our hands of that like overnight. It seemed like a pretty rash decision. Obviously, you know, this isn't something that's happened overnight, but it's for the kind of the scale and the impact it would have had. It doesn't seem like it was a very, you know calculated decision it seemed like it was all done in a matter of you know months and for how big that could have been for English football and, and a club like Liverpool it, it a lot more kind of research should have gone into it and you know fan consultation but you know these kind of American owners and these kind of foreign owners that don't really you know get the game and especially in the sense of FSG you know this isn't the first time they've they've had a hiccup they have put it right in the past but it I don't think you can count them as honest mistakes anymore that's certainly my point of view on it I think I think it's more their their intention tells a lot more, and and the statements they released last night, it's it's all it's all a load of garbage, and you know they're just sorry that they didn't get away with it. They don't have any remorse to any of the fans, and that's the saddest part about it. And I think you're spot on. I don't think this is the last we've heard of it because you only have to look at UEFA's plans and and what they want to implement and change of the Champions League. That's that's just as bad to be honest. You know, obviously it's not a closed club, so it does, you know, it allows other teams to kind of get there on merit. But I think there's 100 more Champions League games over the course of a season. Why is that? Because it gets more money, more revenue. You know, it can sell more, you know, tickets, packages. It's it's just it's just all of it's a farce. And, you know, the game's gone. I don't want to sound like you're die here, but the game, has, <laughs> the game has gone. The game has gone. The last few days have really opened my eyes to how important fan bases are to football clubs. And seriously, what did these owners think the the reaction was going to be, especially of Liverpool fans, of Man United fans. Kiefer, you've seen this you know, first-hand and seen it a lot more than, than you know, me, who's not got any real affiliation to Liverpool at all, but I'd never seen a fan base knock a banner up as quick as your lot. <laughs> it, was, it was released on Sunday night and Monday morning they had them outside Anfield. I thought it was unbelievable. You were at that game, the, the Leeds-Liverpool game. There was a lot of protests yeah. outside the stadium. How was that like reporting on that game? Because the, the, no one really cared about the match. It was all about the the stuff off the pitch and everything going on with the Super League. Obviously, that was my first Liverpool game in 13 months since obviously football's gone behind closed doors. And, you know, you know how excited I was for that game in, in kind yeah. of the days building up, <laughs> the 
the, the day's building up to it. Um, and then obviously, you know, by the time Monday morning comes, it, you kind of think, is the game even going to go ahead? As crazy as it sounds, I was, I, I, I wasn't far too far thinking away from that. I was, you know, thinking there's a real possibility here. Um, but like you say, turning up to the ground, it was so good to see that you know fans, you know, not just Liverpool fans and, and not just Leeds fans. You know, there was there was a, I saw some Huddersfield shirts knocking about in there. There was some Sheffield United shirts. There was a, you know just seeing that everyone kind of descended on the. On Ellen Road, and it was like I say, it was so good to see fans kind of take a stance. And obviously, with with Liverpool, obviously everyone knows kind of what they've done in the past with like you know bus welcomings and, and fans have kind of shown their support in that kind of way. But I've never, obviously, I've been part of all those, and I've never seen an atmosphere like that because I say I was trying to explain it to my brother, and I was saying one, it's the you know the bus welcomings before Champions League games or you know crucial league games. The energy's so positive and it's so nice, and you can kind of bounce off it, and you're there for a good time. But that was like borderline scary how toxic it was yeah. you could just feel the anger it was in the air um i mean it, it was just it was just crazy and the saddest thing you know that you just said there is how, what how did the american owners think they're going to get away with this and i think that's the saddest part because it shows how out of touch they are with football and you, you kind of i think we all kind of kid ourselves especially you know like i say with fsg you kind of kid yourself that they, they are in liverpool they're, they're here with liverpool you know kind of with the club's best interest and they want us to do well and they want to reap the rewards and you know reinvest but you know when you see that and you see how out of touch of it you think well how much do they actually care and you look at it in reality they don't not a lot do you know what i mean they got liverpool on the cheap 10 years ago and you know the success that kind of clops brought over the past five six years it's just boosting their retirement fund do you know what i mean it's it's another yacht for them it's you know it's another holiday home and, and that's a sad reality of it um but you know, Monday night was it was you know it was so good just to to see that kind of unity and like you say, you know, fans are you know rivals off the uh, on the pitch even hopefully not off it. But you know, what I mean, you can you can give and take stick kind of thing. But to see everyone just unite like that, that was that was a real eye opener for me. What do we think the repercussions of these six clubs now? Because of course, the Super League has now been disbanded after a, a whopping forty eight hours. <laughs> and are these clubs just going to come and swan back into the Premier League? Because for me, I feel that I don't even think a fine is enough for these clubs, and I, I hope they get yeah. points deducted. And I've I seen a, someone, I think it was talking on Sky Sports, saying, you know, don't do points deductions because that affects the fans. Were the fans considered when Wigan Athletic were bought by an yeah. owners in Asia who tried to get the club relegated, succeeded in that, and put them in administration? They're now near the bottom of League One. Did they think of them then? Because it shouldn't be rules for one and, and none for the other. Dan, what's your take on this? Because I think that a, a points deduction is the only way that you stamp this out of football and you stop this unnecessary greed from these owners at the very top of the English game. No, you're not going to get any disagreement from me on that one. Um, a massive fine is has to accompany it because the thing about a fine is it affects the owners. It doesn't affect the fans, really. It doesn't affect the players so much. And then, as well as the fine, like you say, points deduction, like, yeah, it's unlucky that the fans have been dragged into it and the players don't deserve it, but so what? What they've done has been so anti-football almost and ch- trying to get away from the Premier League, away from the Champions League. Yeah, point deduction, bare minimum in my opinion. And obviously, you might opinion might differ if you support one of the big six. I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, Kiefer, what do you think about this? Because obviously no, think, it's your club. It, but I think it's spot on. Yeah. You think a points deduction is, is the only way because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it will affect me and, you know, United fans, City fans, Chelsea fans. You know, it probably doesn't make that much of a difference to, to Tottenham and Arsenal because I think, you know, <laughs> we know it's the Arsenal, the 12 point deduction will be a point behind Newcastle. So they would be in a relegation <laughs> yeah. fight. Well, in that case, give them a points deduction. Um, <laughs> but nah, I think, on, I think that's the only way because I think you kind of. You kind of kill two birds with one stone there because, in the sense of Liverpool, if you give them, I don't know, say a ten points deduction, that kills any hope of you know top four. And you know, I do think we will get top four if this kind of, 
I don't think it will kind of go away this kind of argument. But I think if Liverpool kind of get their heads down for the next six weeks, I think I think we will be fine. But if if you give a points deduction, say twelve points, which I think that's what Wigan got, wasn't it? So if you you say standard yeah. twelve points. Then it's going to hit the owners, isn't it? Because they're not going to get the Champions League revenue and or the probably at this rate even the Europa League revenue. I think the only team that would stay in the top four is City and maybe Man United. Um, I'd have to double check on United, but I think, like you say, I find it's pocket change to the owners, isn't it? It's not. It doesn't hit them. But if you make a proper example out of them, you've got to throw the book at them and like you know, make sure that nothing like this happens again because they'll learn that they'll learn the money that they'll probably. We've seen what the Premier League and UEFA and you know FIFA are like with fines. It's it's pocket change. Well, exactly, because you know the tribal project, big picture. It was another yeah. really controversial idea brought by the six clubs once again. I think we've done enough talking on the Super League because I think we're all in the under the same umbrella here that it's just wrong. We're happy that it's it's not going to happen. But Newcastle have been going quite well, haven't they? It's <laughs> it's it's been a mad few weeks because I think the last time we've done a podcast, I think it might have been after that Brighton game we got beat three nil. We were just yeah. sat on here depressed, going, "Ah, oh, Championship next season." Is it too late to sack Steve Bruce? But St. Maximin and Wilson have come back. We've pulled seven points from nine. We've beaten West Ham aside who occupy a spot in the top four. And we are not, well, I'm not going to say that we're cantering towards survival, but it's looking very, very likely that we're going to be in the Premier League once again next season. Dan, how much is that down to Alan St. Maximin? Because it's, it's no real <laughs> surprise is it, that the form has picked up since his return from injury. Yeah, I mean, 100% of the Burnley room was down to him. Yeah. There's, there's, there was a few decent players on in that on that day, but there's not a chance we scored a goal against Burnley. They were so so comfortable against us; it was ridiculous. And then, to be honest, the West Ham result, getting we beat West Ham, who are right up there, we beat them because they shot themselves in the foot massively twice in quick succession, and we still nearly blew it away. I'm delighted we're staying up, but this idea that we're we're playing some good stuff and all that, I, I don't buy it. To be honest, I think. It's not so much a canter to survival, it's more of a, a limp yeah. to get over the line. <laughs> well, Kiefer, you were at that Burnley game, weren't you? You've done a, you've done a few Newcastle games this season. His record is <laughs> impeccable, by the way. He's done two Newcastle games. He was at Goodison Park. I think we ended up, was it? We hadn't won for like 15 games. We went and won. I turn up and then no? this happens. <laughs> Burnley went and, went and won. So, What did you make of the match? Because I, I think Newcastle, they weren't great against Burnley. I know they won. But they were terrible. We were for, awful. Yeah, they were terrible. So as it is, we were awful. They were terrible for 60 minutes. St. Maximum came on. We ended up scoring two goals in the last 20 minutes we were hanging on. So what, yeah, what did you make of it as a, as a total neutral to the, to the I game? I mean, the, 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 the two halves are, you know, so like chalk and cheese. Like you say, Maximum came on, what was it, 55? Him and, him and Wilson, that double change. And that just completely changed the game because, obviously, I've, like I say, I've watched a lot of Burnley this year and as soon as they go 1-0 up, like you ain't getting a goal back. Do you know what I mean? If it's so yeah. good, like you know, in the, a team in the bottom ten, because they're just so rigid and they don't. As harsh as it sounds, like they don't look to play football. It's just you know, Tarkowski and, and me will head anything. Um, so you, you're never going to win that battle. And especially like, obviously, you started with Joe Linton. He just just he was just non-existent. You know, it was so easy for me and me and Tarkowski. But St. Maximum that was up, up there, one of the best individual performances I've ever seen. And he was only on the pitch for <laughs> half an hour. He was, he was. That's the first time I've seen him because he wasn't. I oh, know he was fit for the Everton game, I think, at the start of January, but I don't think he was that good that day. Wilson, that was Wilson's, like, Wilson was on fire that day, but St. Maximum was just, that second goal was just like, <laughs> I'm not even a Newcastle fan, and I was like, wow. But going on to the West Ham game, obviously, that was, you know, I thought that was uh, impressive. I mean, I, I don't watch Newcastle as, as much as you guys, and I don't scrutinise every performance in the way that you guys will, but, <laughs> for, me, for, but for me, the most impressive thing was is that when it got back to 2-2, I was like, oh, here we go, like, you know, West Ham go and win this now. 
I know they were down to 10 men, but it was the way you kind of like rallied yourself and just went straight to the other end and scored a goal. Do you know what I mean? It was, I think that says a lot because I think, you know, obviously a lot's been said about Bruce and, you know, how he manages the team and kind of the atmosphere maybe around the place at the minute, but it shows that there's still a bit of fight and belief in the players, which, you know, is never going to be a bad thing, especially when you're, you're in a relegation scrap. And those two, you know, successive wins have, you know, really pulled you away from Fulham, haven't they? They look, you know, pretty nailed on now to be to be relegated. I can't believe what's happened in the last few weeks because I think after Fulham beat Liverpool, which, you know, you'll have loved, Keith, <laughs> they, they lost four in a row. I think they had Wolves, Villa... I think they had another another team around them as well. We were looking at them games going now. Oh, well, they're going to win that. They're going to win that game, and they've just went and bombed all of them. Even the Arsenal game on uh, at the weekend, they were they were winning and they conceded in the ninety seventh minute. Like, how does that team consistently pick themselves up? I think yeah. in terms of survival, Dan, you I think you said we're we're safe. I still would like another win on the board just in case. Yeah. They Fulham go to Chelsea and win, but it's it, it's looking good. And the West Ham game uh, at the weekend, I was fortunate enough to be there. And we were brilliant for 45 minutes. You know, the 10 men, of course, helped. And what what didn't make sense to me was it's the sitting back. What's the point? Yeah. Like, West Ham are a good side. They're the fourth in the league. They know how to attack. I think they've went three nil up in the last three games prior to that match. They know how to score goals with, you know, whether they've got 11 men or 10 on the pitch. And I think once they got it back to 2-1, you just kind of felt from there they were going to were gonna go and West Ham were going to go on and win the match. But... Thankfully, I think that substitution that they made just before the penalty, they brought they took Mark Noble off centre midfield, they brought on Ben Rama, a winger, obviously pushing for a point, and they had one midfielder, I think it was Suchek. So we were just able to run riot, really, in the end, but it was fortunate once again, and Steve Bruce was bailed out by that with 10 men, because it was a shocking second half. We had you know, we had one chance, yeah. and, you know, thankfully, no, well, we had Murphy's chance was cleared off the line, and Willock went and scored. But St. Maximin, I thought once again was just was influential. Callum Wilson's come back into the side, of course, but I still don't think he's fully fit. He didn't do a lot in in either of either of those games. But Dan, the question is, how high would we be in the table if if you know St. Maximin was fit all season? Because I think Bruce said he's started twelve games all season. Yeah, no, it's a good question. I haven't really thought about that much to be honest. Um, I think St. Maximin, we all love him. You can't convince me he's not the most fun player in the Premier League. You won't convince me otherwise. Yeah. But he does blow hot and cold, so it's not like mm-hmm. you're guaranteed goals with him or you're guaranteed assists. So I don't think we'd necessarily be miles high. We wouldn't be in the talk of relegation, that's for sure. I think also Wilson's missed a fair few games. We can ask that question of him. It is frustrating, but also is that Steve Bruce trying to sort of get the blame off himself? Probably. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think we still should have had enough to be nowhere near where we are, in my opinion. Just shows how poor the division is, in my eyes, at Newcastle. Mm-hmm. I think, well, they're eight points clear of the bottom three. And they've yeah. won, was it four games in 24, I believe? It's, it's a shocking like yeah. shock run of form. And that the fact that they're that far ahead of the bottom three, it just does show how much of a poor division is. But I do think they'll pick up next season, because I, I was out in the car today, and I was just talking to my dad, and we're seeing that the last two years have just been like two seasons moulded into one. Like mm, yeah. it, there wasn't really a break. It's it's just been a, a bizarre season, hasn't it? And thankfully it's over. I mean, I've, it's probably my least favourite year ever watching football. Like the, the pandemic's just killed it for me. And other when you know if Newcastle aren't playing, I'll, I'll have the football on, but I'm not really watching it. I'm not engaging it like I like I usually would be. But I just think it's it's so important, especially for this takeover that's still rumbling on. Like, can they get this sorted in the summer? Because I think Premier League football was riding on the deal, happening basically. But Moving into the future and away from the past now, it is Liverpool on Saturday. And this is why we've got Kiefer here. 
Going to Anfield, it's a ground that we've got a dreadful record. It's nearly as dreadful as the team that currently play there every other week. <laughs> so, Kiva, how do you see Saturday going from the Liverpool perspective? Because top four, it's back on, isn't it? I mean, after the other night, I mean, it was a massive opportunity, wasn't it? But we all know that that game on Monday wasn't, you know, as important as it should have been. I think, I think obviously you did as a massive favour. So we've technically still gained ground on top four. I think it's only two points now. Um, you'd, you'd expect us to beat beat you on Saturday, but you know, with everything that's going on, kind of externally, I know just talk of you know all the the spying cop lads going in tomorrow and taking down all the banners off the cop and in the centenary stand. Um, I know just just talk of a, a protest outside Anfield on on Saturday. So that could have a real impact, and that that could be a real chance for for Newcastle to kind of capitalise on it. Um, you know, as you, as you said, then with the form of Saint Maximum, and obviously Wilson Wilson will be playing, um, and obviously you know put that in with our recent record at Anfield in kind of normal times before this Super League kind of commotion. I wouldn't be surprised to see to see Newcastle walk away with something, and you know people are going to be like, I'm making excuses, but I'm not. I, I honestly think that like we saw with Chelsea last night against Brighton, I, I thought Brighton were quite poor, and and Chelsea obviously they had the same commotion that we had outside Ellen Road, and and their their focus clearly wasn't on the game. And I think if something similar is is happening Saturday, I think I think it's a massive opportunity for for your lot. Dan, it's the same question to you, really. Can you see an avenue for Newcastle to go to Anfield and, and win a game of football? Nope. No. <laughs> um, I tried to provide I, some positivity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think we will get beat. I think, but I might surprise you. I think in the way that we've set up recently, we've got more of a chance maybe because we've we've stumbled upon this system with five at the back that we would all have groaned about when we first seen it, but we've actually got the play, wing-backs playing that seem to be able to do both and not just sit back. So if we can be sort of proactive in that system, look to counter, we've got a puncher's chance at best, but no, my answer's still no. We're going to have to be very lucky, aren't we? It's just a bit like the reverse yeah. fixture, wasn't it? I think that draw at St James's Park, mm-hmm. Kiefer, you'll agree here, that's kind of like ruined Liverpool season, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, blaming, I'm blaming you guys. I mean... That was sorry. We get the blame of everyone else. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, because we we drew West Brom at Anfield on the oh God, whatever day I think Boxing Day it was, and then we played you, didn't we, just for the New Year? And Carl Darlow, didn't he? he? Had the game of his life. I mean, it'll be a tough task for you. Don't get me wrong, but it depends. Obviously, like I say, if all the kind of fan threats go through, um, I just think it'll be a one one toxic atmosphere, and that's obviously not down to the, obviously it's down to the Super League, but not directly. I think it's more highlighted at FSG and people. You know, will still be there because they they want FSG out. So yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't back against putting a cheeky fiver on it. I'll definitely not be putting any bets on uh, <laughs> on Newcastle winning. I just think that the match on Saturday will be decided on whether our defence turns up because even against West Ham, we were poor at the back, and that's been the Achilles heel I think for Newcastle this season is defensively they've just been a shambles. And I think having Lejeune out on loan at Alaves just really hasn't helped. Like, why is he not here, especially in a back three? And obviously, I think we'd all have Fab Shaw back on the side. You know, we've lost him all season as well but for me if I had to put a prediction on I'm, I'm going to come to you guys for the predictions just before we wrap up this podcast I'm going to be confident because I think we've been alright recently I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw I just fancy Callum Wilson to wear it's not just a draw from the penalty spot I think we'll get dominated all game Liverpool have about 19 shots on target Mo Salah will just be constantly hogging the ball up front missing every chance for me no will score but Wilson Penn I'm going to go 1-1 that is a mega request, I bet, by the way. Um, <laughs> what I go for Saturday? I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go 2-1, but 
Just because if we draw, I can say I can What's told Newcastle? you so. Yeah, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I go 2-1 Liverpool just so if we draw, I can say I told you so and kind of put this soundbite on my Twitter and like you know get people asking me for lottery numbers. So yeah, I'll go 2-1 I'll go because our, th- our thing's been for, you know, since that Newcastle game at St. James's Park, we haven't been able to finish. Like We had so many chances to kill the game off on Monday. It's, it's just been the story of our like second half of the season. Obviously, Salah's scoring a lot of goals, but is I'd love to see like, his chance conversion rate because... and. You know, Mane as well. He's I don't know, don't know what's up with him at the minute. Jota seems to be the only one who's uh, you know capable of finding any form at the moment. So, yeah, I don't think I don't think there'll be loads of goals. So I think it'll be a tight one, two one Liverpool. Yeah, I, I think we'll get beat two 0 I think we'll do what we always do against the Liverpools of the world and just show them too much respect. And you're right in saying that your player top players at the top end of the pitch aren't necessarily got the shooting boots on at the minute and that's why I've only put two I think they'll have plenty of opportunities but yeah I, I can't see us getting anything 2-0 Liverpool well the boys have spoken was it two defeats and I've gone through a draw it's usually I'm the one that's the pessimist on here but uh, I'm the optimist for once I think it's a good way to, to wrap up the podcast a good chat about the Super League and Newcastle United not all doom and gloom for once but uh, thanks to Kiefer for coming on first of all but this has been Time Warp, brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, as well as the rest of the Premier League, the EFL, and of course the Champions League, but definitely not the European Super League. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network.